It's Tuesday, March 15th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we're actually talking baseball. We're talking about moves and transactions. We're talking about uh, practices getting underway, and none the least of which uh, Terry Francona will be delivering his speech to the uh, assembled masses in uh, Goodyear as the Guardians get underway with their first official team practice today. Uh, Tito's speech always one that that is something to look forward to to open up uh, training camp. Yeah, Joe, and uh, you know I think uh, he's going to have to change the tenor uh, this year. Uh, he's got a much younger roster, and uh, you know you wrote about that today. And uh, what? Uh, what did what did, what were the impressions? What what did you the early uh, an early advance of uh, what what he's going to say? What did you, what did you get the feel for? Well, it, it, Tito's not gonna um, not gonna give us the the entire copy of his speech, but he said he went back and he looked over the last six years of speeches that he gave uh, that, that that they had videos of, and he took notes on what he can say and what he he needs to change up on uh, you know because of the the youth on the roster. And he said, he's not going to avoid the elephant in the room. He's not going to not address uh, how young the roster is. He said, you can either make an excuse about it or you can turn it into something positive. And that's what he intends to do. Uh, and I, I have no doubt that, that that's what he's going to try and do. And, and I think uh, the, the young players on that roster, the guys who were just added to the 40 man are going to walk out of that room and hit the field today. Uh, feeling like they're 10 feet tall and, and uh, you know, could take on the world. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, he is really not – I mean, they ended last season as the youngest team in the big leagues, and I'm sure they're going to open this year with the youngest roster in the big leagues. Uh, unless, you know, the, something dramatic happens, you know, between now and opening day. But uh, it's it's interesting. You know, Tito's a veteran manager. Um Pretty much, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when, whenever he's had young players, you know, and they make a mistake, he goes, learn fast and don't don't repeat the same mistake again. So, <laughs> you know, I think we're going to hear that line a lot. Yeah, that might be a theme for uh, for the Guardians this uh, this season. Uh, some some news and notes from yesterday. They the Guardians officially uh, signed Luke Maley, uh, a free agent uh, catcher. He's going to back up Austin Hedges, uh, and in order to make room for Maley on the uh, 40-man roster, they moved Carlos Vargas to the 60-day injury uh, injury list. Uh, Vargas coming off of Tommy John surgery, he was not going to be ready in time to, to open the season anyways. Right. You know, I, Vargas really a hard thrower, really a kind of an exciting young arm, but we're not going to get to see him probably till you know, later this year, obviously. Um, male, um, you know, kind of a veteran catcher, you know, he's only, only caught like 13, 14 games in the big leagues last year with Milwaukee. Uh, but he gives you some depth behind, you know, between Hedges and, and Sandy Leone. And, uh, you know, they also uh, completed that trade with Milwaukee, uh, and, uh, for, uh, uh JC Mejia and got David Fry, a guy that, you know, it's kind of bounced around, you know, the whole infield and outfield, but it's mostly played, uh, mostly, most of his actions have been behind the plate. So maybe he'll, I would imagine he'll start at AAA and uh, we'll, we'll see him 
we could see him uh, later this year sometime. Yeah, this is the time of year where uh, teams load up on those veteran free agent catchers to sort of get them through uh, spring training and and you know log innings at least or or when they're when the pitchers and catchers report you have enough have to have enough guys to catch them. Uh, Ryan Lavarnway we saw who was with Cleveland last year uh, he signed a minors deal to the Tigers but you know who knows what their catching situation is uh, over there. Uh, and we saw Zach McAllister, uh, who hasn't pitched in what three years, uh, you know, sign a minors deal with the Cardinals. Yeah, Zach McAllister hasn't been in the big league since 2018. Uh, pitched a little bit in the Phillies organization uh, last year in the minors, and uh, Zach McAllister did not like me, Joe. that's that's, that is saying it nicely paul that that's a nice way of putting it i don't i never got the the, any warm and fuzzy feelings from him you know whenever i asked him a question he kind of snarled at me his lip kind of curled up a little bit but you know when he was he was pretty good reliever for the indians well the indians uh you know uh you know he had like a two or three year period where you know uh Francona used him a lot as he as he does for with, with relievers and uh, you know Zach was a kind of a power pitcher. He's 34, 35 now, so mm-hmm. uh, be interesting to see if he can uh, catch on and, and help the Cardinals. Yeah, he was for me. He was always caught between reliever and trying to make him a starter. He never quite worked out as a starter, and then he'd go back to being a reliever, and he'd have a good stretch, and then he'd struggle. He was he was a, a real ping pong sort of. Uh, career here in Cleveland I do remember that one play I, I forget who they were playing but guy hit a line drive back up the middle and he he kicked it off his foot and then caught it in the air and and, and I thought that was like in 20 maybe 2017 yeah I remember that yeah that that, that was a and great play I thought that that was just an amazing like how how do you make that play real athletic uh big long tall lanky guy but you know maybe he catches on and, and has some success in in uh, St. Louis uh so let's let, let's talk about the the frenzy that happened yesterday. Uh, it's sort of it, it's been going sort of crazy all over the place. The, the Guardians still sort of biding their time to make a move, or, or at least trying to make moves. And and we'll get into what you wrote about how they were they were in on a couple of uh, uh, deals trying to get uh, things done. Uh, but uh, two names off the board that they could have potentially traded for. Uh, went 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 elsewhere in trades. Matt Olson goes from the A's to the uh, the Braves, and Jesse Winker goes from the Reds to the Mariners. Uh, these are are both obviously guys that uh, Cleveland had you know maybe pursued in trade talks, had been talking about for a long time, uh, who would have been good fits in Cleveland, I think, uh, and and both of them will be playing elsewhere next year. Yeah, I think both of them would have been perfect fits. I don't know if uh, the Guardians could have, could have got both of them. I think, you know, they would have settled if they could have got one or the other. But think about Olsen's bat, 111 RBIs in the middle of that lineup with uh, with Reyes and, and uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, you know, he played first base. Uh, just, uh, boy, what, what you know, the, what an addition that would have been. And, and the same with Winker. If you get Winker... You know, you put him in left field and, you know, maybe play him every day. I know he's he's got, you know, kind of a drastic platoon splits. But, uh, you know, I think in Cleveland, he probably plays every day like he 
he didn't play. I think he only played like 110 games last year, Joe. I don't know mm-hmm. if he was hurt with the Reds or what, but both, you know, really interesting guys. And um, the uh, the Guardians were in on both of them. Uh, they just uh, they just couldn't match the packages that, you know, uh, uh, at Oakland and uh, I mean uh, Atlanta and uh, Atlanta and Seattle offered. Yeah, and you know, with the the depth that Cleveland has in its farm system, I'm wondering, you know, are other teams looking at and and asking for too high a price? Are there uh, untouchable players in that farm system who uh, Chris Antonetti is not going to deal away at this point? Uh, and should that be the case at this point? If you're looking at this season, you know, he, he kind of mentioned that when we talked to to Antonetti. Uh, you know, you're looking for a deal. You're looking for a, a return that's going to help you in the short term immediately, but you're also not trying to mortgage your, your long-term uh, success based on, you know, a, a trade that you want to make now. So uh, I think maybe that might've had something to, to do with or come into play with uh, some of these proposals for the, the Olsen and uh, Winker deals. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point, Joe. I think, uh, with Olsen, uh, you know, you know the, uh, the Braves probably just offered a, a, a better package. You know, two their, their top two prospects in uh, Pache and, and Langerlees, uh, mm-hmm. Langer, Langleers, the uh, catcher. And, but I think they could have gotten, uh, you know, Winker if, if the Reds were just willing to trade Winker alone. But they uh, attached Eugenio Suarez to the deal. You know, he's, he's still owed about $30 million on his contract. And he's a third baseman by trade. Right. Uh, the Guardians already have, you know, Jose Ramirez. They're not going to move Suarez. They're not going to move Ramirez to play Suarez at third. And, uh, and well, Seattle tried, had an opening at, at, at third with Kyle Seeger retiring. They tried, they tried playing Suarez at shortstop at the beginning of the year last year and you know, I, I saw that and I, I thought that was going to be a, a, a bit of a head scratcher, but you know, who knows? Well, uh, yeah, a, a trade that, that could have happened, but didn't because, you know, another, another one that was blocked by Jose Ramirez and another guy who was blocked in Cleveland by Jose Ramirez. He's, he's just not going anywhere. Uh, we did talk to uh, Chris Antonetti yesterday. We, we didn't get a, a whole lot out of Chris in terms of, you know, news, it's a, it's a lot of the, the same stuff when we talk to, uh, to Chris, uh, a lot of the same sort of uh, feelings about, you know, just the direction of the team and, and the approach that he's taking. Uh, but we did talk to Josh Naylor. We talked to Miles Straw. Uh, you know, what was the sense in terms of the, the players about getting, getting back to camp and getting in and, and you know, getting ready to, to get going here today in Goodyear? I thought, you know, uh, it was great to see uh, Naylor, Josh Naylor, talk to him. You know, he says he's up and around. He's, he's running. He's, you know, taking ground balls at first base in, in the outfield. He's, you know, he's, we've seen video of him, you know, swinging a bat and driving the ball. Uh, and I love the story about him when he, you know, he was recovering from his broken leg and he, and he couldn't uh, get out of bed. You know, his mom and dad had, had come to stay with him, to help him. And uh, they would toss uh, rolled up socks to him 
and he would, uh, you know, to keep his eye-hand coordination, he would use his hand as a bat, and that's so, you know, that's how he kept. He was kept trying to keep sharp, and uh, he said his mom had a great changeup, and his dad's stuff was nastier. So, you know, I mean, it's good to see. You know, Josh hasn't lost his sense of humor. Yeah, what's even better is to see Josh jump on a Zoom call and get so excited when he sees Hoinsey uh, in the room. He uh, he he truly loves uh, interacting with uh, with Paul on uh, on the Zoom calls. So uh, good to see that as well. Miles Straw uh, came on, and you know, we asked I asked him uh, if if he's talked to Tito because really Tito Tito was uh, stepping back and stepping aside as Straw was coming to the team last year. And, and they really didn't get to, you know, be with each other in the dugout, interact in a, in a, in a game situation. Um, but that, that connection is being built now in the hallways at the facility as they're talking to each other. And, you know, we asked Straw what his, what the expectations were. We asked Tito what the expectations were for Straw. And he said, you know, this is a guy who, when the balls hit out to center field, you expect it to be caught. And that's, uh, that's exactly what the the uh, the guardians are going to have now moving forward with Miles Straw. Yeah, and you know the, the 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 most encouraging thing was he said he's going to be out there every day, and uh, you know which is you know the Indians. It seems like Cleveland or the Guardians, uh, as long as uh, Francona has been here, uh, you know for this is his tenth season managing. Uh, they've they've had one stable outfielder. And the other two <laughs> positions, you know, that you've kind of platooned and, you know, you've run the revolving door out there. And, you know, it was Michael Brantley uh, for a while it was Yaziel Puig. Uh, and uh, now uh, maybe Straw is that guy to play center field. And there's still a lot of questions about left and right field. But, you know, the half season that we saw from Straw last year was 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 very, very good, Joe. I think, you know, and especially, you know, his contributions, not only defensively, but from the leadoff spot too. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is if he can if he can get his on base percentage up and and uh, you know he he already steals a ton of bases he's very successful in his uh, stolen base rate. Uh, it's he was he was getting hits in bunches last year and, and getting on base. That's all they need him to do because the guys that they've got at the top of the lineup behind him are are going to move him around. He's going to score runs. He could score 100 runs this year if he plays every day behind Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez and and Framil Reyes there at the top of the lineup. Yeah, he played what 158 games last year between Houston and Cleveland. You know that's his first full season in the big leagues. So you know hopefully he can repeat that. Speaking of a full season in the big leagues, uh, we 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 learned yesterday that Terry Francona is walking around the. Goodyear facility with two shoes on and that's the best news that anybody's heard in uh, the Cleveland organization in two years Terry Francona after uh, hip and toe surgery multiple toe surgeries uh, now uh, getting around a little bit better he told stories about how miserable it was with that boot on last year having to wrap plastic bags around his legs to to take a shower and you know just all of the the things that we take for granted uh, being able to do with with healthy feet, I guess every day. Uh, Tito was really suffering last year, and you could see that the the joy has returned to him, uh, even through the the Zoom call uh, as he's sitting there. And you know, he he enjoyed talking to us uh, as part of it, but he, he even more than that 
enjoys being around the players and and seeing them and you know just just talking to them there in in the the facility yeah just uh it's good to have him back i think it's the team benefits from that you know he's he's made to manage and uh he's done a great job in cleveland over the last nine years like we said this is his 10th year i'm sure he's looking forward to uh, being in the dugout for 162 and you know, not having to be uh, limited physically and just uh, can concentrate solely on baseball or, you know, and, and uh, you know, help this team develop because I think, uh, I don't know, Joe, I'm still worried about the offense uh, and uh, the bullpen. I still think they need some, you know, a one or two veteran arms. I got the impression that they were, they were working on that. But uh, I think Tito's going to have his work cut out for him this year. Yeah, I, I, there are holes in the offense, and 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 there are. It's a young roster, and it, the the bullpen is a question mark right now in terms of veteran, uh, you know, presence. But all of that, I think, y- you you have a little more confidence that they can work through if Tito is in the dugout as opposed to if he's if he's not. So uh, that's the the big change. Anything else come out of that conversation with? Uh, with Terry Francona that, you know, maybe surprised you or, uh, you know, was it, for me, he, he talked about the bullpen. He talked about, like you said, maybe, maybe working something out there. Uh, but, you know, he really didn't talk that much about it. He, he said that if they had to go into the season right now, they could fill the, the those spots from within. It's just that, that, like we said, the veteran presence isn't there. Yeah, and if you look back at his bullpens, they've always had like a veteran, two veterans. You know, last year, you know, Blake Parker and Shaw, you know, and and uh, uh, Whitgren guys that, you know, had been around for a while, you know, and uh, Rich Hill going back to maybe his first year here, Rich Hill was in the bullpen. So, you know, you know, they he's made a, a, a you know, they, they've been very, very successful at, at bringing those guys into camp. And I just don't see those guys right now. You know, that, that, that's a concern to me, but uh, I guess, sure. You could fill out a bullpen, you know, from, you know, from what, if you have seven guys, they probably got five or six guys right now that are going to make the club. But I I would certainly like to see a guy like Shaw or something in there. And uh, just to, you know, when, when things get rocky, you know, somebody can lighten the mood and, and tell them, you know, the world's not going to end just because, you gave it, you, you coughed it up in the ninth inning. Okay. Uh, one of the other things we saw come about uh, yesterday or, or announced yesterday, the, uh, the new rules that will be in place in the minor leagues, uh, which eventually, you know, we're going to see them filter up to the majors. Uh, but those became official. We've been talking about them for a while here. I think we've spent a podcast maybe on each one of these. Uh, in terms of a pitch clock, that's going to be throughout the minor leagues. And also the larger bases increasing from 15 inches to 18. Uh, those are going to be throughout the minor leagues. Uh, the double A, high A, and low A, so everybody but triple A is going to have the uh, anti-shift rule where you have to have two, uh, two players on either side of second base and they have to be at least touching the dirt. Uh, and the automated ball strike system, uh, so robot umpires, in the AAA West and low A Southeast divisions. Uh, all of those rules, and we talked to Chris Antonetti and he talked about, you know, being excited about the experimentation with those rules and, you know, being open to that idea. And 
uh, I guess it, it, the approach is, you know, as long as they're vetted and they're, they're sort of, uh, you know, they've been put through their paces, it, the, the teams will be more comfortable with those rules coming in. Yeah, Antonetti, you know, I think is a proponent of, you know, improving the game, improving the pace of the game, you know, putting more action in the game. And I think that's what these rules are designed to do. You know, I'm not, I'm still have some questions about the uh, robot umpire balls and strike <laughs> system. I think that's, that's going to, you know, I don't know if that's going to be in the big leagues next year or not, but I, I would think that's, that has to be vetted a little bit more to uh, see how that works. But I'm, I'm anxious to see the bigger bases if that, you know, instills, you know, more action, more base stealing in the game. And the shift, uh, the shift uh, rule is, is really interesting to me, Joe. I don't, you, you know, it's got to help guys like Jose Ramirez and, you know, dead pull hitters mm -hmm. like Carlos Santana. I would think it's, it's really going to, uh, you know, improve that, but you know, what, what's the flip side of it? What's the unseen, uh, you know, the un, unforeseen consequence? Yeah. The unintended consequences are all, all the ones that, that we'll be watching. Uh, you know, uh, I, I had heard Francisco Lindor uh, come out as a proponent of the anti-shift rule, just saying, you know, let me let me show my athleticism, let me show my range, and and as as a positive, but you know, there, there's there's no substitute for catching the ball, and if if you're doing something that puts you in position to catch the ball more often, I think uh, you know I, I can't see an infielder, I can't see a reason why an infielder wouldn't want to be able to do that, so. Uh, just announced uh, this morning, uh, the Atlantic League, sort of the feeder system for these new rules. So the, the, the new rules come out, they're proposed, they go to the Atlantic League first for a little while, and then they go into the, the rest of the minors. Uh, double hook designated hitter rule would allow the designated hitter to stay uh, in the game, and, and, and you wouldn't lose the designated hitter if you're, if you're uh, uh, if he comes in to, to, to play in the field, uh, you would be able to keep that after the fifth inning if your, pit, your starting pitcher has completed five innings. Uh, it's, a, it's a way to reward uh, a starting pitcher for going five innings and then you know, not penalize them if he comes out and you've got a, got, got a pinch hit or, or something like that. Uh, and also the dropped pitch rule, which would allow the, uh, the batter to basically steal first base on a ball that isn't caught. Uh, by the catcher caught in the air. Uh, that one, uh, it, when we first talked about that with Tito, he he kind of looked looked at you funny, and he said he, he was like, you know, I need somebody to explain stealing first base to me. Uh, that that that's one. <laughs> at that point, he sort of threw up his hands and said, maybe it's a good thing I'm on the uh, the 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 backside of my career here because that's that sounded a little crazy. But uh, yeah, if a catcher doesn't catch the ball in the air. You can take off for first base, and if you and get this there, on a third strike, Joe. No, on any pitch. This isn't a drop third strike. This would be like the first pitch of the at bat. If it goes to the backstop, then you can take off for first base, and if you make it, it's a hit. So we'll see, man. That 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 sounds a little crazy, but uh, uh, I I don't know if you've got a if you've got a. <laughs> That the Gary Sanchez rule. If, oh, if Gary God. Sanchez, if Gary Sanchez doesn't catch the ball, then your team will be giving up hits all over the place. 
Gary Sanchez, if that if that rules goes into effect, he's going to be the full time DH no matter what. It's the the Gary Sanchez designated hitter memorial rule. That's uh, <laughs> that's what it, it, it's called. All right, Hoinsey, uh, we are looking forward to talking to Shane Bieber, uh, Cal Quantrill, Tito today. Uh, we will uh, write off of those and uh, report back what we what we heard and what we said. If you're on subtext. Uh, you're going to know right away what uh, what Shane Bieber had to say, because our first order of business is to uh, get that information out to our subtexters. Uh, 216-208-4346. If you uh, want to sign up, send a text message to that number or go to cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, Hoinsey, we'll be back with you again uh, tomorrow here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.